Hey, I'm Brian Hyatt, and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. I'm in the studio with Sarah Grant and Simon Vozik Levinson. So, it's summer, which I understand for some people means like going out and having fun and listening to music in the sun. Uh, for me, it often just means sitting in an air-conditioned room writing rather than sitting in a heated room writing. But it's, it's, <laughs> a, it's a nice switch up. Uh, but yeah, I understand people go out and have fun. They like fall in love and stuff and they have summer adventures. And so we need summer songs. And therefore, there is a, a list on the Rolling Stone website. These are 2018 songs of the summer. And it's kind of a idiosyncratic list because it's writers actual taste they're not pandering to you guys out there they're actually telling you the weird shit they actually like and we'll also talk a little bit about what's actually out there in the world that people may be experiencing as their collective songs of summer but first i wanted to talk about the charts which often might help us determine what the songs of summer are if you go to billboard's hot 100 right now it's and this has been going on for a while with various artists because of the way that the billboard charts function it's packed with basically Drake, previously Cardi B. It's often whatever the big album that is out, the purported singles chart is now just a list of, the, of this, all the songs on that album. And this has happened why, Simon? So uh, a while back, the chart masters decided they wanted to more accurately reflect how people listen to music now. Uh, in the old days, if you wanted to listen to a new hot song from your favorite artist, you had to go to the record store and buy a literal single, like a 45 record or a single, or a radio programmer had to choose a song that was given to them by a label marketed as a single. Now, as everyone knows, you go on any of the streaming sites, you can just listen to Drake's new album, and if you're listening, if everyone in the world is listening to Drake's new album a lot, then like the 18th song on his album can be a single in the same sense that the one that was would have previously been marketed as a single is a single. They're all singles now. At least that's the rationale. That's the that's the logic. So right. So now, and you know, I think there there is logic to that, right? So that if you want to reflect how people listen to music, the charts now more closely reflect what people are listening to by taking streaming numbers into account along with other measurements of popularity. And I agree with that. All that said, when you look at the actual results, and again, <laughs> it's just like you you want to see sort of what what are the hot songs right now. You basically just see the hot song is the Drake album. And that's <laughs> there's something, as much as it feels right on one level, it's like, hey, it's cool to know what people are literally actually listening to. Right. On the other hand, doesn't feel like what a singles chart is supposed to be. And in England, for instance, they have rules that keep this from happening. It's limited in some way so that you, you get basically a more diverse chart. You see all the different songs in the top 10, not just, again, the freaking track listing of one album. Does it seem kind of weird to you that you look at a chart now and it's just it's, it's a track listing from an album? I mean, absolutely. But I think that's part of the kind of wonder of Drake that, you know, he keeps kind of baffling the music industry. But it's not it, just Drake, though. It's not it, just Drake, yeah. but Drake is, he has really uh, kind of cracked the code of streaming. I mean, he has been multiple times the most streamed artist, the most viewed artist. I think in the future, he will be a great case study for whatever happens with the charts, however we decide to go forward and measure success in the music industry. I mean, Drake is really what people are looking to in terms of those metrics and well, how to take advantage. Yeah, I mean, one of the things is I think there's like, what, 28 songs on, on the album? Right, but, yeah. So that... That is part of the trick. There's almost, I mean, he should just come up with 40 songs so then it could have the, the right. entire top 40. In fact, that that literally might come next. But for me, 
I mean, I'll, I'll be less subtle. I think this is broken. I don't, I don't <laughs> think the charts, I think it's great to sort of know exactly what people are listening to on one level. That should maybe, it's nice to have that data, but that to me is not a singles chart. It's so, yes, most people are listening to music by streaming, but there's, it's so devaluing the idea of a single and that you can't tell me that like, there might be five tracks from, from Drake that's floating around on, on various radio formats. There cannot be 28 and what this is implying is that there's 28 singles on an album and it just to me it ruins the whole idea of a chart and then a, a point that Simon and I have been talking about that I think is really interesting is people are constantly like okay well these artists keep breaking all these records that were held by like Michael Jackson or the Beatles or even you know he just he I think tied or broke some Bruce Springsteen record for a number of singles on an album and it's the problem is it's truly apples and oranges you and I think that's where Billboard, if Billboard really screwed up, and I, I again, I, I think they did. I think they were attempting to be very progressive, which is great. And I, 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 of course, streaming should be highly reflecting these charts, but they didn't think it all the way through. And now what they've done, at least for the moment, is ruin the historical basis of these charts because you cannot look at this chart that's measuring the actual listening of every track on an album versus an age when there were actual singles selected from the album and 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 then say like oh this is you know technically it is breaking the Beatles record or whatever but it's just not the same it's just so we've lost the ability to measure these things against each other which isn't like in the scheme of things isn't like a you know a a loss worth worth weeping about but it is like mildly annoying for people who want to have a way of of you know of of keeping the continuity of these things and and they've broken the chart it's some other chart now I would say yeah I think that's true I, I think what streaming has revealed is that the world that we thought we had in which the charts accurately affected what people were listening to was actually something that was crafted by gatekeepers. That world doesn't exist anymore. And so the charts are trying trying to catch up with that. And but, I think that's a hard thing to do. But here's, yeah. but here's the counter argument to that. That is true. But, but the thing is, people always were listening to albums. <laughs> like, right. We just didn't know. Like, right. There just wasn't some dude hiding in your record player, like marking down what songs you were listening to. And that's 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 what I'm saying. Right. Is this, it, it, It's reflecting something that wasn't measurable before, which is cool, but doesn't seem related to the idea of like, what's the single right. that's hot? The single know? as we knew it no longer exists. Yeah. It doesn't matter which song you choose to put marketing money into to make a music video or to get you know in front of radio programmers that doesn't matter as much anymore and that's and that's and that's valid too and i'm not saying that basically all i'm saying is they they just need to make one rule tweak so that there's like no more than three songs from an album can be on a singles chart at the same time and that way you have all of a sudden it opens up and breathes and you can see what's actually going on with all the different artists and not have it because this is just it's almost like there's only two ways that it's valuable. It's just like, yes, Drake is very popular. That's good to know. And then I guess it's interesting to have the exact figures. But other than that, I just don't know. And we're joined by Brendan Klinkenberg. Brendan, we're talking about this issue of the charts and how specifically the, the Billboard uh, Hot 100 and how the changes they've made have made it so it's like basically it's just the tracks of the Drake album. Does that bother you at all? Does it does it feel off to you as far as the singles chart? Or are you one of the people who are actually okay with this? Um, I'm okay with it. I think it's accurate. I think that if we're using the charts as who's being listened to the most by everyone, the charts, the changes just made it more accurate. Drake is the most popular. His songs are more popular than anyone else's. If you want the charts to do a different thing, then you can talk about rule changes. But if it's just to measure popularity, that's what it's there for. That's how popular Drake is. Right. And I would argue that, so you can say that Drake maybe isn't hyper famous or hyper popular in the same way that Michael Jackson or the Beatles were, but that's because the world that created Michael Jackson and the Beatles no longer exists. We're not living in that world anymore. 
Yeah, and I that has nothing to do with my argument. It's not about Drake at all. It's just about like this isn't what a singles chart looks like. There's something peculiar about it, or maybe they need to produce another another song, another way of measuring songs. But uh, anyway, we were talking about songs of the summer, and we have this list again on the Rolling Stone website of Rolling Stone song of the summer, which which is produced uh, purely out of the writers' brains. There is no. Uh, there's no measurement process whatsoever. We there's no. It's purely unscientific. It's just pure taste. Brendan, what was your contribution to the list? Uh, I went with the obvious pick. Nice for what? Um, number one it, song. It's been number one for the entire summer, but it's also I think the best song that's been released this year. Why? I just love it. Um, I think Drake kind of for one of the first times in his career. Um, did something unexpected. I think he's been a great synthesis for his entire discography where he kind of looks at what's going to be popular and then makes like a down the middle version of it. <laughs> um, and like, especially when he started to on views really chase the, like the number one spot where he's making songs like one dance, which is kind of just like an Afrobeat Drake song, but he saw what was going to be popular. He was watching like all of the trends happen and has kind of like anticipated where he would be and it worked. Nice for What is a very fast song with no, like, identifiable chorus. It has a breakdown. Um, Drake, like, it's just a weird song. And it's an, it's impressive to me that he could get it to number one. It doesn't sound like a pop hit from 2018. Well, I think one of the things that's refreshing about this album, you know, we'll end up talking about Drake a lot probably when we're talking about songs of the summer, is, is yeah, it's a little bit of putting aside that thing of, Drake as the world's best A and R guy. Mm-hmm. Drake as as trend hopper, and he he's so self aware. And again, he doesn't. None of these people are doing interviews, so you don't get to. But he's so self aware, and he got so criticized as sort of a culture vulture kind of trend hopping thing that th- this may have been a reaction in part to that criticism. Is like I don't need to do that. I, I'll actually go in a different way. But let's hear. Let's hear. Uh, nice for what? In case you haven't heard it every second. Yeah. Everybody get your motherfucking roll on. I don't shorty and she doesn't want no slow song. Had a man last year, life goes on. Haven't let the thing lose, girl, it's so long. You been inside. Can we talk about Lauren Hill for a second? I, I think it's amazing yeah. that 20 years after Miseducation. Uh, <clears throat> the, a sample of Lauren Hill's voice is, is driving the biggest song of the summer. That you know the music still has that power to connect and, and rule a summer that way. Yeah, it's uh, it's such a good chop. And I like we were talking about Drake as like the A and R. I like when I first heard the song, I, like I think ascribed too much premeditation to this. But um, our writer Elias did a um, interviews with a lot of the producers on um, Scorpion, and apparently this beat was made while Drake was playing uh, Xbox. <laughs> he was just playing uh, NBA 2K18, That's and That's the how the magic happens. Murder Beats. The uh, producer was just in the room, and he was like. I got the chop to the point that he stopped playing the game, and that's when we knew that we had a song. So I don't think that he was really doing this thing where he was like, everyone says this about me, so I'm going to make a song that's about something else. I think they just like hit on something pretty quickly, and it feels spontaneous. Um, I think it's just it's the song of the summer. I mean, this thing of being in the room and waiting till you hear something you like is that that's how Kanye works. Apparently, it's just like it's a, you know, and, and that is listen. I mean, even being in the room while a beat is being made is is more than a lot of rappers do, and, and a lot of rappers don't need to. I mean, Future just, for example, just you know, literally gets beats in his email and just uh, you know plays them, and he either comes up with something or he doesn't. So there's lots of ways of working. But. Yeah, um, a lot of Scorpion um, 
was sourced through Instagram DMs. Like they, hit, Drake's team is just kind of looking for people, and then they'll just hit you up one to one and be like, "Send me your like best beats." They're always trying to get my GarageBand stuff, and I, <laughs> I say no. They, they, like, their their rates their rates suck. I gotta be honest. Uh, LMA boot up is is really really like a unique vibe. I, you know, when hanging out with when I did a Tracy Morgan story. This it's a throwback to the kind of stuff Tracy Morgan really likes. Uh, like, like this is the, the the vibe that he'll put on. This is his preferred R and B vibe in a way. Uh, it's Tracy Morgan core. It's Tracy Morgan core. <laughs> it's a chill little song. You guys are both big fans of it, right? Yeah, this song rules. I, I, this is another song that's completely out of step with pop trends in 2018. It sounds like it could be, as you say, just like a, a great R and B hit from like the mid 90s. Uh, it's kind of slow. It doesn't have a, a huge, obvious melodic chorus, but uh, it's great. It also took so long to happen. It's been out for over a year. Yeah, I think like almost 18 months, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and I think that like you can make a really good argument for Song of the Summer, but like that's kind of, it just waited for the right season to start happening. I'm not really sure what um, prompted it to start climbing up the charts, but like it's here to stay now. Let's hear it if we can. Like I'm touching the ceiling When I'm with you I can't breathe Boy you do something to me Yeah, like real throwback stuff, and people. There's, there's all these like memes about it, about just how sort of like smooth it is. It, it, it's just you know, and, and sort of bedroomy, and like it, it, it. People, people are actually really treating it like it's from another planet. Actually, it's vibe. It's really interesting. I mean, it's not that alien a vibe, but but it, it is so out of step with the current thing that, that people are, are uh, kind of fascinated by that song. I mean, there's nothing better better than like kind of a nonsensical chorus that you just sort of you're singing and you don't really know know what you're saying. <laughs> I mean, when you're looking at the lyrics, obviously, but it's just I got that kind of carnal groove. I think there's also something to be said about how in the age of the algorithm, people want people respond to something that's different, something that isn't yeah. focus group to death. True. And uh, speaking of which, we, uh, Chris Weingarten couldn't be there here today, but he, we should play his pick because it's very Chris Weingarten. It's so summary. Absolutely. It's, <laughs> it's so like <laughs> it's, it is. It, it's uh, it's Death Grips, who are the internet's favorite sort of very abrasive rap thing noise rap noise. kind of thing, noise rap yeah it's it's the song is called black paint i, I like noise rap is kind of like where, I, where i've always kind of fell on them it's intense it's it's intense it's if if your summer isn't going super well <laughs> if you were just indicted maybe or, or just testifying <laughs> if you were testifying on, on on the floor of congress this might be your song uh death grips black paint <laughs> It's the sound of Paul Manafort in solitary. <laughs> that's what it. That's what that is. Uh, and there's a there's a few there's a there's a there's one huge bummer on this list, which is a song by uh, John Prine called "Summer's End," mm. which is as Simon uh, said, it's you know it's about how you're going to die and summer's going to end and. Uh, he could have called it August and everything after, but that was. Taken. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it's it's uh, it's a different vibe. That was Jonathan Bernstein's pick. I like his style. I like I like that. That's his summer song. But anyway, let, let's hear let's hear Summer's End. Summer's ends around the bend, just flying. 
The swimming suits are on the line just drying. I'll meet you there for a conversation. You know, I never would have put the Death Grip song together with John Prine, but they, they're nice companions. <laughs> if you're yeah. in a really bad mood in the summer, they can <laughs> Yeah, they, they work together. <laughs> so you're listening to Rolling Stone Music now. We're talking songs of the summer, and we'll be right back with a whole lot more. We are going through, first of all, Rolling Stone's list of the songs of the summer, which are actually writers' individual picks. And, you know, Sarah picked Selena Gomez's Back to You. I told Sarah flat out, I was honest with her, I love Selena Gomez. I think this song is kind of weak. It, it seems really generic <laughs> to me. I don't know. I, it, it almost ruined my summer to listen to it. I'm be honest with you. I just like you got to go listen so, to some death grips now. Uh, yeah, I, I had to. I had to. I had to death grip the taste of, of this song of the summer out, out of my ears. But let's hear this song if we can, uh, and then maybe you can defend this piece of garbage. No, just kidding. It's not the <laughs> I wanna hold you when I'm not supposed to. When I'm lying close to someone else You're stuck in my head And I can get you out of it If I could do it all again I know I'd go back to you See, for me, it's actually pretty good until the incredibly generic dance production comes in. That, that's where that's where it kind of falls short for me. But but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> the best part for me is the beginning, I will say. I mean, I'm fascinated by your visceral reaction, but I will say that it kind of proves my point because uh, this song to me is the requisite bummer song of the summer. I mean, it's in the vein of summertime sadness and right. like it, countless of other... It's like when your your ex boyfriend grows a mustache and gets engaged. Is that, is that sort of uh, yeah, yeah, pretty. Yeah. I like mean, that vibe? and yeah. all of that yeah. happened after this song came mm. out, so it was like prophetic, and it was and also you know fitting since Despacito was de- was you know last year's song of the summer, and so you know this song just you know brought me right back to like Good Riddance, Screen Day, like kind of you know maybe not their rocking song, but for Selena Gomez, this is something different than she's done and it's kind of a one-off and for me in in her catalog uh it kind of nails or at least kind of brings together a lot of the pieces she's been playing with like you've got that stripped down kind of whispery thing she does on her bigger pop songs on her albums and this kind of feels like she's you know like taking something off of her bedroom floor and she's like trying it on for size which I thought was refreshing and you know, I, I mean, I just love that first verse where she's talking about, you know, this addiction to a bad boyfriend. I mean, that, to me, those are my memories of summer. <laughs> so Fair enough. I, I, points for honesty, yes. <laughs> you know, and, and we'll do, I don't know if anyone's going to have much to say about it, but let's sample uh, Margot Price's Cocaine Cowboys and... Uh, Patrick Doyle, our colleague, wrote the, the something. Some records just sound better in summer. This, this, this is very Patrick. The soundtrack, to the, the harder they come. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers live anthology. Just about anything by the Grateful Dead. Uh, He's not wrong. Let's, let's hear that song if we can. And that is, that's from Margot Price's really excellent, we've talked about it before in this podcast, her all-American-made album from last October. 
it does have a, a groove. I, I like that song a lot. Yeah. It, it does kind of sound like the dead to me. It sounds like the band. Um, I, totally. at, at my suggestion, Patrick added a reference to the band to his board. If anyone out there is reading this, um, you know, it has like a nice, it's nice. To have like a really? little, you couldn't, you, <laughs> you, you couldn't let have Patrick have that three word closet. As um, we had, you had to take credit for him. That's okay. I don't think he agrees with me that it sounds oh, okay, like I the see. band. Okay. I made him insert that. Okay. Cause right. I think it sounds like that. the band. Um, I'm just trying to be upfront about yeah, this, no but anyway, it's a, it's a great, you know, summer, classic rock song that you'd like to hear like driving down the road with a top down whatever we've actually played snail mail's heat wave on this show before but you know just just to be partisans for <laughs> snail mail who, who is uh, you know this in- incredibly promising 18 year old singer songwriter let's uh, let's hear that song again And then uh, ha- Harry Styles, Carolina. I kind of think there's only one good song on the, on the Harry Styles album, wow. which, which is like a... Cla- or maybe it's just that Sign of the Times, which is such a good song that we put it on the best songs of the 21st century, which we're going to... Um, we, we will get into that list, hopefully do a couple episodes about that. But like that song is a stone classic. like under- And to <laughs> me, the rest of the album maybe doesn't quite live up to the, the greatness of that song. But this song that we put on the list, Carolina is like good it's good it's great i i could not disagree with you more about the quality of the songs on that album i think sign of the times is one of the weaker songs on the album it's good you're nuts but (laughs) not 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 about the other songs being good but to say that's the weak it's a good song song, that song is awesome i like that song it's not bad but the the rest of the a lot of the rest of the album has this kind of loose fun you know playing guitar at a party uh, energy to it that that song is a little bit more strained and forced uh, Carolina is a good example of that. It sounds like kind of it could be like a, you know a Stones B side. There's something fun about that. I didn't really mean that. It's the only good song on the album. It's the only great song on the album. For me, it's like one great song and a bunch of pretty good songs. But this is one. Of the, Carolina is one of the better ones. Let's hear it. She's got a family in Carolina, so far away, but she says I remind her of home. You notice how it sounds a little bit like stuck in the middle with you? It does. It does, yeah. It does. I just, yeah. Well, so there's a thing that people do, and I'm not saying that, that Harry Styles did this. Sometimes people reference tracks in the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there's an artist, it, it was, um, I literally still can't say because the fact of this was off the record, but there's a very famous artist I was once in the studio with. And they were writing a song on what was went on to be a very successful album over a Journey song. They they had the, the it was like a reference track. It didn't sample it. They pulled out this track, but they were matching the sort of groove and vibe. And what you do is you kind of like record over that, make the vibe, and then yank the song out. And I'm not saying he did that, but there is a and you know a certain a certain famous lawsuit that that happened uh, with, with a Pharrell Penn song may, may have with the Robin Thicke song that that might have been a similar thing. You you try to capture the vibe. I'm not trying to get Harry Styles in trouble here, but they they may have. Modeled the vibe off of Stuck in the Middle. With you. I think that's okay though, because even you know, Stuck in the Middle with You, the original Steelers Wheel song, is like a very direct Bob Dylan rip, and mm. it worked for them. I think it's okay to rip that off. I'm no, I'm it. deeply offended by this. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I think you know, like seriously, whatever works. Like it's, it's just, but just as a, they, you know, they may have, you know, bit vibes, but that's 
that goes way back. That's fine. I'm, I'm Simon often thinks I'm making a criticism when, <laughs> when, when, when I'm when I'm when I'm really stating a fact. I, I, just, I just yeah. I just want to defend Harry. Yeah, yeah no, Harry. Harry has a tough time in life. We need, <laughs> we need him to, 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 to stick up. Where where would he be without us? I love that uh, our colleague Corey Grow uh, picked this this thing uh, scars on broadway lives and it, it's 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 like m- sort of metal disco a little bit it, it's a side project by the uh, the guitarist for system of the down so let let's hear this 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 uh, system of the down side project everybody dance when you dance when you want to dance when you want to dance you will get in a trance everybody sees what they see what they want to see that that party's lit. I mean, that that is like the definition. Brendan particularly likes that song. It's like I hate that song. <laughs> um, hadn't heard it before. It made it to our list, and um, yeah, I'll have a talk with Corey at some point. I actually like it though. I heard it for the first time this morning, and it's I it's upsetting. It. <laughs> it's it's a little terrifying. It has because it has sort of a martial, like a little bit of a martial feel. Scary. It, yeah. it, 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 it feels like a steel tip boot I would say is, is the problem it's no um, toxicity that's how I feel about it yeah well it is it's a different kind of toxicity <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah so uh, before we leave our list of the songs of summer maybe go a little broader let's, let's talk about uh, Cardi B's I Like It I already said that I, basically her, her whole album functions as, as, as the summer but do uh, you want to speak to that yeah, um, I think Cardi had options on this album for like what was going to be the when I when I first heard um, Invasion of Privacy, I wasn't sure what the song was that was going to hit the charts. It sounded like she had a couple. Um, I'm glad it's this one. It's really really fun. Um, she sounds great on it. Uh, she's just very charismatic. Has good instincts. It's a really good song. It's crazy how talented she turned out to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because like, we weren't we weren't sure. I mean, we said this before, but it, it's like I mean, she was she could have not been that talented at all. It could yeah. have been a fluke, and it's just it, it, it's wild to me how many different and that she's versatile and you know and getting better. Yeah, it's, like she every. I mean, we'll we'll see. She hasn't um, released too much new music. She's busy, but um, yeah, I think that they're, right now she's at a very good place in her career where there's only upside. Like it just seems like um, there's a lot of places she can take this. Well, let's hear that. I like it. Now, I like dollars, I like diamonds, I like stunning, I like shining, I like million dollar deals, where's my pen, bitch I'm signing, I like those Balenciagas, the ones that look like socks, I like going to the Tula, I put rocks all in my watch, I like sexes from my exes when they want a second chance, I like proving niggas so sometimes people release songs that are sort of blatantly songs of the summer or attempts to be, and there's a few of those, um, Childish Gambino has released a summertime magic which seems like i mean it, it, it's just we we all know that uh, that don glover thinks he sort of hacked the matrix to reality itself and that that he can he thinks he can sort of and, and often is correct that he just sort of understands like here's how you make a hit tv show here's how you make a song that everyone talks about and now i, I my feeling listening to this song is this is him like i'm gonna hack how you make a summertime pop hit I, i'm not entirely it's it's pretty good and I under, I like it, it, it's impressive because it's, it's yet another kind of switch in direction for him but uh, let, let's hear it if we can that makes me What I actually really like about it is the, the sort of slight 
palpable cynicism in it. Like it's like it's like fuck you, I'll make a hit. Like a summertime thing that sounds like this. Like I can do that. To me, it's so blatant it, that I, that I, I kind of like it. What do, what do you think, Bernard? Uh, it's kind of boring. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it sounds. It, it honestly sounds like uh, it would be a hit in 2016. It's just like <laughs> a, it's got that like um, very tropical housey like affected steel drum. Yeah, we were talking about the trap house thing, which is a weird, a weird throwback for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it'll be kind of successful. I don't think he's hacked the Matrix to any. Like, I don't think that he's about to like go number one with this one unless the like this is America. He has some kind of global warming themed video that like drives everybody crazy. Um, I think it's fine. I think he's he's good at making songs. This is not <laughs> his best. High praise. Yeah. What do you make of him uh, putting this out right after This Is America? Um, I think that uh, This Is America was meant to be a standalone thing. Um, I think it was a song that they knew would get a lot of attention, but I think the, it blowing up the way it did and hitting number one was a genuine surprise for him. I don't think he thought that was a like pop hit. When um, I talked to his team the night it came out after he hosted SNL, and they weren't talking about it like it was a single for a new album. They were just kind of like, yeah, it's a song. And then when it went number one, I was like... Are you sh- are you sure it's not a single for a new album? Um, I would I would rethink that if I were you. I think he can do a lot of different things. I think he likes to be a person who um, shows a lot of different sides to himself, and so it makes a lot of sense that he would have very different songs come out the same year and keep that like you can't tell me what I am good at like vibe going for as long as he can. Right, I I can fly now. <laughs> like it's like yeah. maybe maybe yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, I mean, I wouldn't be. I would be. be I, I wouldn't be a thousand percent surprised. It's just like I figured it out. Like I, I could fly. Uh, Justin Timberlake did that thing we were talking before the show. There's a thing I, I feel like Gaga kind of invented, which is like if your album your album comes out and people are like, eh, and then while you're still in the album, it's like you're like, well, here's another song, and 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 because that was not a move until recently. No one really did that. But Justin did that, and my theory was that this was a, this song is called Soulmate, my, and at, at the beginning of it, he, he goes, uh, "Summer starts now." And my theory slash joke was that it actually was just an outtake from the album that he added the phrase "Summer starts now" to <laughs> to try to. But that it turns out, uh, at least by their account, that is not true. This is just recorded, fresh off the computer, and <laughs> and, 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 uh, and it, it's it's actually w- with uh, with frequent Drake collaborators. So which also is is interesting. It's it's almost like he's been looking at the charts, you know. <laughs> And he's like, huh, Drake, 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 Drake. I don't see Justin Timberlake. So let's hear, <laughs> let's hear that song. And I can feel your frequency. So unique. In other words, such a freak. Set me free. I wanna be, wanna be. I wanna be, wanna be your soulmate. It's actually growing on me. The fir- the, my first listen, I didn't like it as much, and now I'm, I'm, it might be growing. Maybe it, maybe it's the song of the summer. What if he did it? I don't think that Justin Timber Drake is the song of the summer. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Ariana Grande has a, a new song called "God Is a Woman," and but no no tears left to cry has so far been really been the the Ariana Grande song, and it it. It's a good song, and it was also, I mean, you know, without being crass, it's, you know, she was in a tough position where she had to have the, she, I really thought a lot about this because it's, it's interesting to think about sort of from an A&R perspective and from a manager's perspective. It's like when you have a sort of pop star who does light, fluffy songs, and that's her thing, and you had this awful, awful, awful tragedy that happened that was the main thing associated with her for 
leading up to this album it's like how do you <laughs> come out with a song that covers the basis of here's a hit song that's kind of fun but you know somehow acknowledges the context that is a, a really brutal dilemma i've actually felt bad for her and her team in having to deal with it and i i think you know without being sounding too sort of like again like mercenary or whatever about it it is it, just as far as solving that dilemma you got to give credit for to that to this song don't you think yeah, they threaded that needle pretty well. I think No Tears Left to Cry, I think it's a great song, and it has that kind of uh, emotional range where it can function both as a sad song and as a song that you you know uh, dance to on the dance floor or whatever. It works both ways. Yeah, uh, you said dance to on the dance floor. Did that sound really like, convincing? In the, in the, you guys, the, can you guys tell way, how much like, time I spend dancing <laughs> on the dance floor? <laughs> yeah. Let's hear this song, and we can all dance on the, <laughs> on the dance floor together to it. We can <laughs> I have to say that moment of transition was actually one of my favorite pop music moments of the year. I really I listened to that a, a bunch of times. I think it, 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 there's something really satisfying about it. Yeah. The 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 change the the changing groove, the changing it's it's uh, it's it's very clever and very well done. I really really like that. She's deceptive. It's it's weird. It like that her she's good. You know, it's it, it's it's a strange thing. Like I think people were almost wanting her to be bad in some ways, but she's not bad. She's good. It's she's weird. good. Um, God is a woman. I, I have. I don't. I don't know if any of us has have fully digested yet. But let's let's hear that at least because it, it, I'm sure it's a, it, it does seem like a contender. Brendan, we were talking that, again as we started at the beginning of this show. It, there's, you know, and whole a whole album worth of Drake candidates, I guess, for Song of the Summer. And if you believe the charts, they're all the Song of the Summer, <laughs> which is again my problem with the chart. That can't be. I'm sorry. See, that's I think that's. See, I just proved my point. It, like they cannot all be. However, in my feelings, that song's sick, uh, and that that is a real contender. Yeah, um, I think Drake is for the second time this year going to trade number one spots with himself um i think in my feelings is like the clear front runner for the successor to nice for what which was the successor to god's plan it spawned the like requisite dance challenge the dance thing i was trying to figure this out it, you know it became a meme that everyone's doing is there did that just happen is there any way that that drake's people somehow spawn that or did it truly really <coughs> just happen spontaneously this one seems like it uh all came from this like internet comedian named Shiggy, um, who has a huge um, Instagram following in his own right. Uh, that has been a thing. Um, I think the most famous one is the Black Beatles challenge, where that was kind of a thing that people noticed was happening, and then the team behind Ray Schremmer, or like around Ray Schremmer, I don't think they were like personally involved, um, <laughs> started to like seed it as like we can push this song really far because of this meme right and then what people we were talking about the way that uh, the charts work the other thing that's interesting about the way the charts work is if you can get your song in a lot of YouTube clips 
And for example, with a viral dance challenge, that will greatly, greatly help you get to number one. Black Beatles is a mm-hmm. great example, and that's so that's why I wondered. It's, you know, they're so savvy. Drake's team. This might be an. Ex- this is just an example of like it. It even just works in their favor when they're not trying. Um, yeah, um, I don't have any inside line, yeah. so it's certainly possible. Um, it seemed organic to me, but I wouldn't put it past anyone at this point to try and get their uh, own viral dance st- trend started. There's two things about Drake, sorry, which is that, that you know there's a line in the first track that, that his Mount Rushmore is just him with different expressions, which is it's so <laughs> great it's so great because the the chart right at number six, number seven, and number eight on the chart are in my feelings. I'm upset and emotionless, <laughs> which is just so great. Sarah, what were we going to say? Well, it actually so- sounds like he's listening to a lot of Selena Gomez this summer. <laughs> but uh, she's also in his. She's also in her feelings. Well, let's hear in my feelings, not my feelings though. It's Drake's feelings, but you know. Yep. Kiki, do you love me? Are you riding? Say you never ever leave from beside me, cause I want you and I need you. And we only have a couple minutes left, but there's a, a dark horse candidate sort of for the song of the summer is uh, by Juice World, who is a very interesting to me sort of genre leaping artist. Um, he's kind of doing emo, but coming from it, coming to it from the hip hop world. And while that's been a, a strain that that's been bubbling for the last few years, it, to me he's the most emo emo rapper. I mean, he's just I mean, you know, it, it's 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 just emo over you know like trap beats. It's 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 nuts to me. I, I find it deeply fascinating. You, you know, it's like you'll hear him the way he sings. He sounds like he's singing like a like he's in a, a Fueled by Ramen band in two thousand six. But let's let's hear Lucid Dreams by Juice World. And then there's this Sting sample. I mean, you see what I'm saying? That's not a subtle emo influence. It's crazy. And then it's just when you just absorb the oddity, the other, you know, it's, it's Simon who, who heard the sting in there, which is also on a, you know, famously on a Nas song and actually on a whole bunch of other songs. But it's just like a sting sample on a hip hop song with a dude singing like old emo is crazy. Anyway, that is our summer, summer 2018. Thanks to Sarah Grant and Brendan Klinkenberg and Simon Vozik Levinson for being here. That is our show. I'm Brian Hyatt. This is Rolling Stone Music Now. We'll be back next week here on Sirius XM's Volume Channel 106 at 1 p.m. on Friday. In the meantime, we are a podcast. You should download us as a podcast. You should subscribe to us as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts and maybe leave us a nice review on iTunes. As always, thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.